Welcome to Monolithic, the podcast, where we explore diversity within Black experiences. My name is Aaliyah Janae, and this episode is all about identity development, how we see ourselves in our journeys up to where we are today. I have a special, special guest here with me. We met at Spelman College on the first floor. <laughs> you know, we were first ladies. I was so excited to see somebody who looked like me. I went to Spelman like, I don't know what these girls are going to be like. And I saw this beautiful brown girl with locks. And I was like, my sister! <laughs> I am so excited to have you here with me. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's so great to catch up with you, Aaliyah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Let me get all my jitters out because this is, I'm too excited. And so <laughs> let's just dive right in, get straight to the point you know, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how do you identify um, like racially, ethnically, all of the above? Well, hello everyone. My name is Kathy Humphrey and I am 26 years old. I am from Detroit, Michigan. Very proud Detroiter. Okay. So, um, and I identify as Black. Black, 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 black on black. Okay, <laughs> so just straight up very black. Um, I've never done my, I guess, official ancestry DNA type of testing to determine um, as far as the origin of my family and what countries and things like that parts of my DNA. But um, both sides of my family are all from Detroit. Um, and Detroit is a predominantly Black city. It is the Blackest city in America. So I do. I identify as Black. And that is a little bit where I grew up. Um, so, yes. But I also identify as African, too. Because, I mean, we're all from Africa. So, and that's what I was taught. And I do have family in Africa as well, too. Um, but I'm not, I was not born in an African country. Neither were my parents. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. So I do identify as a Black African-American. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And it's so funny. Um, sometimes people forget about Detroit being like a predominantly Black city. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about um, D.C. or they talk about Atlanta. But hey, hey, Detroit is there, too. Yes, Detroit is literally the blackest city in the country. So we have the highest population of black people, um, which that that was an experience in itself growing up um, in a predominantly black city. So all of my environments were like that. So pretty much everyone I know and talk to (laughs) is black. And that's what I was engulfed in that growing up, um, which is a core piece of my identity, as we will discuss here today. Yes. And so with that type of experience, you know, you are um, sort of, you have a unique experience, right? So when you meet other people who don't have that, how do you navigate a space like that? Well, it's, I mean, at first it was kind of like everyone would talk about, you know, I, I grew up in this background or here and there, but I was taught at a very young age even within the black community, there's a lot of diversity because the world will lead you to believe Mm -hmm. that growing up in a predominantly black environment is not diverse because everyone is some shade of black. But that is very far 
um, from the truth totally. And I mean, outside of Detroit, Michigan, the state is predominantly white. So it wasn't as if I was never around um, other races and ethnicities and people who identify as other things because I did. And in fact, even in the middle of 10th grade, I transferred to a predominantly white high school, which was a whole other experience in itself. But honestly, I just use it as an opportunity when I meet people who didn't grow up with the same background as me as to just, they usually are very interested in like, mm-hmm. they're like, wow, I didn't get that. And what was it like? Because a lot of the things that I know and feel about myself and my history and my culture, they didn't learn until later on in life or are currently learning. So it's more of like a curious conversation where they're trying to you know, pull information. They're very curious about my experience and just, it makes me appreciate it even more because I feel like it's actually an experience a lot of other Black people wish that they had. So um, it becomes a great exchange of just information and experience when I meet other people who didn't grow up in the same background. You know, I can just tell them the kind of things that I did because I even the community that I grew up in was unique within itself inside of Detroit. I grew up in a African-centered community. So that was even special in itself too. So people are, they're just always interested to hear. And honestly, they're pretty open-minded about it. And it makes it a lot easier to to talk to people about it. And they, they're just in awe. And I love that because it just makes me appreciate it even more. I don't think I've ever felt shameful about it or (laughs) anything about that because a lot of the black people I meet are learning more about themselves and want to know more about black culture now so they're like please teach me (laughs) some of the things that you have already learned at such a young age so I love it I love it it opens up a great dialogue Hexia and I love I love that we have that in common um because I'm from Kansas City Missouri as y'all know very proud um and we had our own African center schools that's what I grew up in as well and I will meet other people who didn't have that experience and again they were fascinated they were just mm-hmm. like so you really never like had these experiences or you never grew up in a white town and all of that I'm like no not really again I had uh, interactions and you know various experiences with different folks but overall my community was black I've never had a a white principal, you know, I can count less than 10 white teachers my whole like uh, primary and secondary education. And I think for me, it was very impactful because I felt seen and heard all the time. Um, It was also a family oriented community. So Mm -hmm. like, that's important for me. Like I need community in a way where I feel constantly reaffirmed. And the moment I set, like stepped out of that when I went to grad school, I, I was a little upset with my parents for a second. I'm like, oh, you, you should, like, you didn't prepare me for the world. Like, I was just angry <laughs> because I'm like, mm-hmm. I felt like I was uh, shielded from so many different like races or just the other perceptions of how people see you, even though you don't see yourself that way. And I was doing my best to not internalize it, but it was it was definitely challenging. And so to hear that you've been very like proud in that, um, I'm there now. But for a second, I was like, Ooh. yeah, 
Mama and daddy, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> Why you I, I totally get that. I, I get that. And I think that's a word that a lot of people have, even around the whole dialogue about HBCUs and going there. But it, for me, it had the opposite effect. Like, I think because I was so secure, so grounded in who I was, and I did grow up in a very nurturing environment that made me proud to be Black that really couldn't be wavered wherever I went. So it didn't, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and then everything I was taught just about Blackness, I was not only taught about Blackness, but what Blackness was in relation to other people or, or how other people view Blackness. So having that perspective is what prepared me on how to have relationships and exchanges with other people who don't identify as Black. Right. Because I would... I mean, like I said, they would be curious, but also, I don't know, I it, it, I didn't, I never felt unprepared because I knew what certain perspectives people could already have of me as a Black person, as a Black woman, as a Black woman who grew up in an African-centered community. I already knew what all of the perceptions and everything could be. So preparing me for how people could treat you or what their opinions could be of you or what the criticisms or things could be. I was also prepared with that along with, you know, affirming my blackness in a, a community that made me proud to be black. So I don't know. I think I had, I was just able to go into those interactions, you know, with confidence, you know, I mean, maybe sticking out a little bit sometimes Sometimes the attention was overwhelming. I, I would think that is that's how would would make me feel uncomfortable. I wasn't uncomfortable with my blackness, but sometimes I was uncomfortable with sticking out and getting a lot of attention for it in that situation. Like when I did attend a predominantly white high school in the middle of tenth grade, I transferred after being at a very small, close knit, family oriented black school my entire life switching to that school system was like whoa it was definitely a culture shock in that it was just a lot at once all of a sudden I was in a school with just 300 kids to a school with 1500 and everybody of course looked different but I also stuck out and you know it was other black women black men black kids there but I had locks my whole life so I was like I was that sore thumb, you know, but it wasn't, I wasn't mistreated in any kind of way, not to my face, but more so, oh my gosh, wow. It was that exoticism, you know, of, of a black person and a black girl that's just like, wow. So I got a lot of attention and that became a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but I understood that just like this was a new experience for me it's a new experience for them as well. Like I was the only person in the school who ever had locks. So it was like meeting me and seeing me was new for them as well too. So I just, I took that exchange for what it was and just kind of rolled with it, you know, but I, I was glad that I already had that confidence in me. So I didn't have to question who I was or, or feel the need to bend myself, you know, to make other people comfortable because I, I was showing up in high school like like this you know like hair wrapping oh that was blowing their mind okay like oh my god what is that like it was it was blowing their mind I was in 10th grade wrapping my hair up like this so I still who I was still who I was even in that comfortable environment and in this new environment too and 
I just learned how to navigate it that way. No, I love that. I hope but I totally get what's saying. Like you can feel unprepared. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. And I hope the listeners are really uh, tapping into that. Like having that foundation is key, right? Mm-hmm. And preparing in whatever way you see fit is also key. I want to go back to something you said about like diversity mm-hmm. within the Black community. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think for me, I've always seen diversity in the community, but always from an educational perspective. Um, like, of mm-hmm. course, I'll see people from like the neighborhood and like at stores, and then I'll see um, my my professors. We call our teachers professors. <laughs> so, like, I'll see mm-hmm. my professors, and like they had master's degrees and they had all these things, and so I will see only like uh, a dichotomy, like a binary. It was the regular people, then it was the educators. And mm-hmm. so then when I went to Spelman, I saw it all, even within the educational setting. So like, what was your experience like with diversity amongst Black women? So uh, diversity amongst Black women, it was, <laughs> it, it was already, it was a lot. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of us were coming from similar backgrounds. Um, I think even just the diversity within my own family, it's kind of where the exposure started. I don't think it really started in school necessarily, but more so just even within my own family, um, because we also had just different people from different education levels. Um, I mean, we're all black and we definitely all have some mixes, you know what I'm saying, in our family. And honestly, from my mom and dad, both of them are the 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 brown children (laughs) out of their own bunch like even their siblings like my aunts uncles my grandparents they were all I mean like yellow there is different so obviously different that was like okay um you know we don't all look the same like we're definitely all family but we don't all look the same so clearly there's some diversity even within our bloodline um, so within my family that was kind of the first thing yeah because even like my cousins majority of my cousins on my dad and mom's side are shades and shades lighter than me. So it was very, just as a kid and not knowing anything about the concept of diversity and stuff, it was just still something obvious you could see, but it was just still like, okay, well, there are definitely differences here, although we're all growing up in the same family. Um, Now with school, I would say the diversity was, it it was definitely on, on where people came from, um, and just just cultural differences. Like I think we see every day on social media a little bit how similar we kind of all are mm-hmm. and the backgrounds that we all grew up as, you know, as black people and <laughs> the different things, traditions and ways of black people. So it's starting to make us feel more connected, but there definitely still are a lot of um, differences. So I, I was able to have are all kind of teachers like growing up in school I had all kind of te- and it was so great to actually see black teachers who like you said had advanced degrees and um had traveled because that was a big thing for me too like I was able to have teachers who had traveled out of the country and they were taking trips to Africa and all of these different things and that was my first exposure and what got me wanting to travel so I I was like wow I know black people black men and women who um they're traveling they're um in different areas of of life they're specialists in a lot of different topics um so we had a very diverse 
teaching staff, I would say that there were different religions. Like, um, that's another thing about Detroit. I don't know if a lot of people know that we have a very large Muslim population um, in Detroit. So that's something I was always exposed to different religions. I know people from, you know, who just have spiritual beliefs to Christianity, to religion, that will all be in the same four walls of the school. That's in my my family. Like that was a form of diversity that was very eye-opening at a young age that I was exposed to. Um, and then of course, as I went into high school and I switched high schools is when I really started to see diversity in a socioeconomic class with Black people. So when I was just in Detroit, because I went to a high school in the suburbs when I transferred, when I was just in Detroit, we were pretty much all on the same level. You know, we were we were all broke <laughs> and making the best we could do, you know, doing the best food we could. But in the suburbs, it was so, I'm like, these kids got beamers and they got chargers and benzes and the student parking lot looked better than the faculty parking lot like it was that was probably the most mind-blowing thing to me um that was a culture shock was the difference in socioeconomic class from just a couple miles away yeah. you know and these these kids were black too even the black students that they were there they were black too and they liked similar fashions and and all the same but I couldn't keep up. It was different. It was like, we didn't have uniform at this new school. We had to wear regular clothes. I'm like, like my wardrobe. I, I was like, whoo, I cannot, I can't keep up with y'all. Like they had the iPhones and <laughs> the Victoria's Secret and the Ugg boots and the True Relic. Like, I mean, label city. And I was just like, that was the most mind. I think that was the first time I ever really witnessed difference in socioeconomic class within the black community with with black children too because I, I just was like wow so we like the same thing you know we're both black but we really live two totally different lives right you know because and money matters money will change the way your life is and how it's set up we live totally different lives I'm like you y'all houses like I'm like wow, this, that was probably the most culture shocking thing for me transferring to that school and just the school itself, the availability of the resources and everything that was there. I'm like, I was able to do a lot of things that I wasn't able to do at my other school, but my other school taught me things about who I am at the core of myself. But this other school gave me the resources to kind of be able to showcase and grow my skills and talents. So I'm, I am grateful for both, but one taught me about myself and one kind of catered to my skills and talents. No, I love that because sometimes we don't uh, appreciate (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, like we have to learn from them and I'm happy that you were able to see it and like, you know, I'm going to take it for what it is, you know, is it what I'm Mm -hmm. used to? No, but I'm just as good, if not better. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Period. Did <laughs> okay, yes, that was definitely my experience. I, I, it was intimidating, and I probably was a little more withdrawn to myself, you know, in the beginning. Um, I'm kind of naturally like that as a person in general, but I definitely knew it was still things that I could gain from that experience and from switching schools. And 
I, I think it's the reason why I was even able to go to Spelman. Like, I, had I not switched schools, I probably would, I wouldn't been able to do all of the things that I did in high school that even, you know what I'm saying, made me, molded me into a better student and candidate to even get into Spelman College, you know? So, and, and it was just, it was down to the resources because, I mean, I wanted, I felt like the, the education <laughs> was different, but it was just so much more available to these kids. And I think that was the first time I ever felt the, the separation in the diversity. Like, okay, that would probably be the thing that made me feel like I didn't fit in the most. It wasn't, it wasn't because I was black, it was because I was broke. And <laughs> that's really what it came down to, you know? So it was, that was the major divide. I was like, wow. So this is how the other half lives. Like <laughs> that was an eye opener, but it it was one that I, I also needed to that I hadn't had because we were so close knit growing up. Definitely. So, yes. And it's funny that you had that experience going like still in high school where I didn't feel like that until I got to Spelman. I'm like, mm-hmm. these girls got what <laughs> this roommate. Yes parents in the medical uh, industry and all this stuff and I'm like bro I got all of my stuff because from Mm. donations you know um and so I think um when you talk about the social economic um class and status of us I don't think we talk about that enough you know Mm -hmm. sometimes the focus is always about like how we physically look and like that type of representation which is great but we also forget about class and how sometimes whiteness is embedded in that and what that means um you talked about resources and access like so many things and I agree it's just all over the place I actually had a conversation with somebody um over the summer and I talked about diversity because Mm -hmm. you know we went to a school where you were of the African diaspora and you identified as as female right Mm -hmm. correct so I'm like, those are two things that schools are struggling to, to do. Other schools like PWIs, they're struggling to talk about race. They're struggling to talk about, um, you know, sexism and all those things and gender identity. Here is like, okay, there's something else. Like we have to look at something else to bind us. And so when I think about diversity, I, my thoughts are so beyond just race and gender because that's kind of how we had to navigate it because we were in a mm-hmm. space where everybody was the top of their class in some form. You know, everybody mm-hmm. was academically strong. Everybody, again, identify in those two categories. So I'm like, what else sets you apart? What else do we have in common? What else? And so whenever I talk to people now, I'm always like, all right, being black and female ain't enough. What else you got? What else we got? Because <laughs> we need to talk about something Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> No, I totally understand. I totally understand. Because, yeah, it, it was like searching for the diversity. It's like, okay, right. We're, we're all concentrated in this area. And you're right. We're all here because we identify as these two things. Um, so I, I definitely see that. Um, and I think at Spelman, it was more of a over, not, I wouldn't say over time, because I was able to see it pretty soon. But I think after being there for a while, you really, you, you started to become enlightened and you're like, wow, like we really are different, you know, and that although we might all identify as black and as women, like we come from so many, all different, that doesn't mean we think the same, you know, we don't 
speak the same. Of course, outside of looks, there's always diversity in looks, but yes, just our mentalities, our cultures, our beliefs, our values, our interests. Say values again. (laughs) Right, values, (laughs) very different, you know? You get exposed to all types of things on a spectrum, so it's like, that's where the diversity lies. And you're like, wow, okay. So just because we all are Black and women, it, it does not mean that we have to be alike in any type of way other than, you know, what's on the surface. Because we found that, you know, you and I are similar, you know, although we're from different places on, on the outside, we of course have similarities and we connected with that. We connected with how we identify and how we grew up. But it was like, that was just a great connection point. I, I didn't think I was going to be, I don't know, it's weird because even though I knew I was going to Spelman and I'm like, okay, we're all going to be black women. I still didn't think I would really meet anyone who had a similar upbringing as far as being involved in the African-centered community. Like that was pretty rare. I feel like, um, I mean, I was there with my best friend, Terry and her and I grew up together in the same community. So I had her, but we really, we were in our own little bubble because we didn't think we would find someone else who had a similar system back where they lived either. So that was actually great. And I think a lot of students were able to find connections with people, you know, because we all are different. And in some form, we are still looking for people to connect who can relate. And I think that was pretty, I think a lot of people, although we found a lot of people who are different, I think we also found people that connected with us who were from totally different places. And it was just very cool to find out that, hey, they're doing that over there too. And I'm like, well, maybe we are all a little more similar <laughs> than we think, you know, but it was, Spelman was great. I mean, of course we had black women from all over the world. And, Literally. Right. I appreciated that a lot too, um, because I, for the most part, knew mostly African-American Black women. So it was good to meet Black women from other places outside of America. Like, I really appreciated that diversity because I I always wanted to be a a worldly citizen and be aware of things globally. So I I really appreciated those relationships with people I were able to build and and tell me about their experience of being a Black woman somewhere else because it's different everywhere, for sure. I have a comment and a question out there. And even like when we think about all the different states represented at one time. Like, I know it was somebody from Alaska, somebody from Hawaii, even people yes. like, from Missouri. And I'm like, yes, Black people in Missouri. Like, yes, it's Black people mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> yes, everywhere. And sometimes um, we don't, again, we only see what we have, like what we're privy to or what we're exposed to, right? And so I think putting us all in that one space, I was able to have like a world glance. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. this is so beautiful. Like we're all here at the same time. We're all so different, but we are similar in different ways. And we all have a, a common goal in mind to graduate, you know? So like, that was the thing mm-hmm. I kept telling myself is like, yes, oh, it's a lot going on. Yes, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm also a first gen. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but we all gonna graduate. <laughs> I don't know nothing. Okay, we gonna get there. I don't know how, but we gonna get there. 
Definitely. And I know you traveled abroad during your time at Spelman. Can you talk about that experience and how your foundation and who you are and how you were raised helped you navigate that? I loved study abroad, but it was definitely one of the most unique experiences I've had in my entire life because I didn't travel somewhere where there were other Black people, really. So this was also me you know, immersing myself, not only in entire other culture and country and everything, but I am around almost no one who looks like me. So I traveled to Copenhagen, Denmark, which is a very tiny, tiny country in Europe, um, near Germany and Sweden, and it's part of uh, the Scandinavian countries. And that was even more mind blowing than just transferring to a predominantly white high school because the high school was predominantly white. So there were still other ethnicities represented there. We just weren't the majority, you know? And then of course, every day I got to go back home and I'm only 10 miles from Detroit, it's it's whatever. But in Denmark, oh man, and I did a homestay as well. So I actually lived with an older white Danish man and that oh my gosh that was a very (laughs) unique experience because if I felt like a sore thumb in high school I don't know what to call myself in Denmark I in Denmark it probably was about two weeks before I even saw another black person outside of the program right because we were uh, the program consisted of college students from different colleges in America so there were a couple of us, there were five of us who came from Spelman. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that's just all who came from Spelman. Everybody else came from other places. The Even the program was still predominantly white. It probably was about 50 or 60 black students out of like 800 that came in the program, right? So we were still even the minority within our program. Um, <laughs> I did a homestay and I had a roommate who was a white woman, that's how she identified, from Connecticut. She was going to a school in Pennsylvania, um, but that was my, my roommate. It was her and I who were staying with our host dad. And he had a younger Danish girl who was going to university in Denmark. She was living in the basement, renting it out and... Yeah, he just lived by himself. He had family. He was about 74. You would never guess he wasn't like old and crippled or anything. So he was very able-bodied. You wouldn't even know he was 74. And he had been hosting students for over 30 years. Yes. So, and coincidentally, we were actually his last students that he was hosting. He was ending, retiring from his time of hosting students with he had been doing this for 30 years. And I think he mentioned once or twice, maybe he had another black student. Like one out of 30 years, I think I was only like the second or third black student that he had even housed. And once again, I didn't look like your other black student. I'm like, I had locks and I had a large gap. And it was, you know, I was just totally different. Um, so that was, whew, that was a shock because I wasn't even going to do a homestay because I was so scared, but 
I did it anyway. I said, you know what, world. So hey, but it was like Denmark was complete. Even how how the Danish typical Danish person looks, they really value blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a lot paler. It was like okay, so I, I on the surface obviously look nothing like any of you. Um, so I got looks, of course. Um, I got looks. I got stares. Um, I don't feel as though I was treated poorly or or badly or anything um but I got a lot staring and I was over there for four months I also traveled to 10 countries while I was in Denmark yes we were we were jet setting every weekend I see go let's go you know I teamed up my Spelman sis and I was like hey I want to go to 10 countries while I'm here she was like let's do it (laughs) so I was like okay so we started booking tickets and it's cheap to travel in Europe so we were out of there, but Denmark was uh, so interesting. And then the Black people that we did finally see there, they typically weren't Danish. Um, they were usually African from another country, um, maybe a couple of British Black people, but they were typically from an African country uh, and what I loved so much when I saw my first black person what I loved so much I was walking taking the bus and I looked up and we were in the crosswalk crossing the street I was going one direction he was going the other and I looked up and he was black and he looked at me and I looked at him and we gave each other the universal head nod, head nod. <laughs> I love it here like it was like I was like, oh, I love us. Like, that was just one of them moments that was like, wow. Like, I don't know. Black culture is just, it's so strong. Like, it's such a strong thread that I'm like, I don't know this man. I don't even know if he was from America. I don't know if he was from, I don't have any clue. But we saw each other and in that moment still recognized each other's Blackness within this space. And gave each other the head nod. And I was like, that made me feel so much better. I don't know why. But, I mean, I I ended up bonding with my Spelman sisters a lot more honestly. You know, how you connect with people who are, are like this. And I didn't really get, uh, get to be around a lot of Black people. But it was okay. But in different countries, I was looked at differently. Like, in, in Denmark, it was like, it was some stairs. But they're very... Um, what's a good word to describe them? Like, I don't know. They won't be very obvious. They will look forward and straight down before they kind of just look and stare at you a lot. So, but in other countries, oh, they wanted pictures and they were, I got, I'm pretty sure there are all kinds of pictures of me floating around out there because people were taking pictures without your knowledge. Like they, they feel like you're exotic. They feel like you're like, and you have to be mindful. Some people have really never seen a black person or a black person who looked like you or you know once you open your mouth speaking they're like wow like they are so different like the exposure is not the same so I traveled to like in Italy it was like they just worship they were like oh my god like, Italy was popping Italy was like oh my god I just love you can mm-hmm. I please take a picture you know oh, oh my gosh you're so beautiful like they and I don't and I don't know if this is a black person thing or a black woman 
something, you know, because that's a key difference. I don't know if the black male experience is different, um, but the black female experience is like yeah, somebody kissed me on my cheek and I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, like it was they get real handsy and <laughs> they were just in awe. Like they wanted to take pictures everywhere. So honestly, it just depended on where I was, but I definitely felt in always it was very obvious the uniqueness, you know, of me in this country. And it was actually interesting to learn about their view of race in general. That was a very shocking thing in Denmark. My very first night there, we had a big family dinner. My host dad had his children and his grandchildren over and we had a big dinner. And it got very political and very, I mean, we talked about all the isms. We talked about politics we talk about racism we talk about sexism we I mean we talk about religion I, I was overwhelmed because I was like okay I wasn't expecting on my first night to talk about all of this but I had a very um enthusiastic I guess I'll say roommate she was very uh vocal about her opinions on just race religion and she was on the right side of a lot of things but she liked to be argumentative so she was um talked a lot about uh the lgbtq plus community like she talked about all of those things so they don't even they claim they don't see color you know and i bet um, everybody looked the same <laughs> exactly but it got me wondering about the education system there and how how race is taught to them right because for one well how race was taught to us is different you know we grew up in the african-centered community where we were taught a lot more complex things i feel like about race mm-hmm. and black people and where how we are seen in society but in europe i mean it's almost like I'm like, do y'all even know that slavery existed? Like it was just on, and, and that's just one piece, you know what I'm saying, of race. It's, it's a lot more complex than that. But I was just like, are you aware of anything? Like, you know, like this, the whole transatlantic slave trade and how it came from here to there. And, and they were just like, you don't see color. And you know, everybody's just everybody. You can have everything. Anybody can have anything you want in Denmark, but they were very open. They're not as politically correct. So they just kind of say whatever they want. And they're just like, but we don't like Muslims. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, and you were openly saying that, you know, and they're like, oh no, we'll admit that, you know, and, and they don't, they, they really don't. It's a, definitely a discrimination there against Muslim people. And but they're like, well, we don't care what color you are. Like, I mean, they're like, we don't like Danish Muslims either. Like, we just, I was like, okay, so not race, but religion. <laughs> now you can imagine how mind blowing this was. Hello, my face is like, what? <laughs> my first night there, I'm girl, I'm looking at the food and I'm overwhelmed at the food and just being in cold, dark Denmark and even at the dinner table with all of you that I don't know and we're talking about all of this I was like oh I'm not about to get into this because I feel like this is gonna be a war trying to talk to you all about anything because I was like I'm not about to try to change minds at this table right now like I answered questions but 
they were so oblivious to black people's experiences in this world, like completely oblivious. And and that's the thing about the whole I don't see color perspective. That's what it I have a problem with because when you don't see color, then it makes you ignorant to the experiences that other people are having out here. Like exactly. our lives are not like yours. Our lives are challenged in a lot of other ways that your life has not or not, probably will not be challenged. Like we have so many different difficulties that you could never imagine. And you aren't aware, empathetic or sensitive to any of it because I don't see color, but the world does. You know, the world does and we get treated as such. I feel like people pick and choose when they want to say that because then if he didn't see color, right, he mm-hmm. sure let you know it's been a few Black people who he hosted. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you notice the difference. You just choosing like that's a privilege to not have to think about it. Exactly. And, and I think he even mentioned that one of the other Black girls that he hosted was Jamaican or something, which is a presumption. That's one of my exactly, I, exactly. Oh, it was a. I, of course, I get that presumption as well in my oh, life because of me having locks. It, I get that all the time as well. But that was it. It was almost like that was supposed to be the connection point, or that was his way of letting me know I'm accepting of you in my home because oh, that girl like you were here before. Yeah, she was Jamaican and she didn't. And I was like okay you know and or I I was like I'm going to take this information and I don't know what to do with it but I mean I think it's supposed to make you feel more comfortable or you trying to let me know that you've been around other black I, I don't know his exact point but I guess it was supposed to try to be a connection he was trying to make but that conversation at that dinner table was just like they and, and don't get me wrong things socially are set up different in Denmark, which was also something that just made me rethink the entire American structure um, because they do things differently. You know, they have a lot of other resources that we don't have. Healthcare is free in Denmark. Um, Education is free in Denmark. They actually pay people to go to school in Denmark. Like it was so many different things that was like their government and society actually helps them like they have higher taxes but it's clear that the money is actually being utilized to help everyone socially and because part of their culture is not to be um boastful or Mm -hmm. to think you're better than anyone or they're not as flashy and uh, i'm rich and all even if they did have money it's not in their culture to make themselves stand out because they have more money than someone else. So um, with it being like that, that I think is what kind of makes it level everyone or makes everyone seem on the same level. Cause they're like, we all have the same opportunities here in Denmark. It doesn't matter if you're black, white or, or whatever you, you can do whatever a black person can live here or there, or, you know, and I will say I, I saw that, but then again, it's like, how do I know that though? Because y'all don't have a very large black population. So how do we know what black people are really allowed or, you know, accepted to do here? You know, if you actually had a larger black population, would it still be the same? I don't know, but <laughs> exactly. So that was interesting. It got me dissecting, just, it got me looking at differences. Of course, 
racially, but outside of race, especially with socioeconomic class, again, and just how the entire social system was totally different in Denmark. And it worked. It it did work for them. And uh, they had very much country home pride. They were very patriotic country. Like Danes are like, we love anybody who is Danish, except if you're Muslim. And they will say it just like that out of their mouths. Like they will say it and they will admit it that they they're more discriminatory if you're not from Denmark or if you're Muslim. But of course, the people who tend to not be from Denmark or Muslims are people of color. So, yep, yep, exactly, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. And I'm like, but you don't see color though, right? But the main people you discriminate against are people of color, but okay. So that was very interesting in seeing how they think and their mentality on race is totally different from America like it's totally different I don't I don't even think they teach the same things or race theory or any of that in school I don't think they do and it was very disappointing because it was like we all have a very racially rich (laughs) history here in Europe um and y'all seem very ignorant to all of it and and these were adults adults I was talking to not just children like these were grown adults who were twice my age which tells me that this structure has been in place for a long time here and clearly the education system hasn't changed but most of their exposure to the concept of racism is from what they view on tv and media from america and we know propaganda is is just what it what it is Never mm-hmm. positive. It's always something racial, like so, just something that degrades who we are and the diversity of us. Always is never. I'm like, can you show some positive images of us? Dang. Exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, they. I think even just the concept of the school I went to is like foreign to them. You know, like y'all don't even see black women in this professional, you know, educator. Uh, perspective like they just see us on tv and when they see us on tv it's it's reality tv it you know it it, it may be modeling it's some form of entertainment but they are in but they are in no form exposed to a place like Spelman College where it's like y'all don't even think of black women outside of anything sexual or entertaining basically mm-hmm. and and the danish children don't either i visited a danish high school and oh my god just their whole perspective on america is like they don't even other places even uh, other countries Amer- when people think of americans they think of a white american yep. like and that became very apparent even in europe it was that that's why i stuck out like a sore thumb it wasn't more so because I was black because they might have seen black people before and they've seen you know black Africans in their country stuff they've seen black people but it was because I was a black American that was the part they didn't they didn't assume that I was from America at all they always assumed I was from somewhere else as if the concept of a black American it just was so foreign and they couldn't grasp their mind like I was literally isolated. We went on like a study field field study trip to a mosque. I was taking a class. Uh, it was called Muslim. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> right. 
I was taking a class called Muslims in the West in Denmark. It was it was very interesting. That was a very interesting class to take from a Danish professor, given how discriminatory you guys are against Muslims. So it was very interesting to take that class. But we did field study where we visited different mosques in uh, Denmark. And we went to a mosque and the guy who was giving us the tour, it was in this class, it was me, my Spelman sister, and there was one other black girl there in the program. She was actually from Haiti. Um, so originally she was from Haiti, but she lived in America and was going to college in America. And he was asking us, he asked the question, like, if anybody was from another country other than America, mind you, he knows that we're all college students from American universities. He's aware of the group, but he, he wanted to know if anybody was actually born or from another country that wasn't American. And one white girl raised her hand. She was from Germany. She was like, yeah, I was originally born in Germany, blah, blah, blah. And then the other black girl answered and she said she was from Haiti. And he was like, okay, I am standing in the back of the crowd. Okay, just to give you some perspective of this situation, they were more towards the front. My Selma sister and I are standing in the back of the student group as this man speaks and we're listening. And he single-handedly points to me all the way from the back and said, yeah, you, what about, where are you from? And I was like, I literally turned around because I was like, um, first of all, he proposed the question. The question was asked for people to volunteer and raise their hand to tell. Mm -hmm. So it was very odd for you to even pick me because I didn't raise my hand. So you asked who was from a country outside of America. I would not raise my hand because I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So I, this question does not apply to me. <laughs> And so it was very weird to pick on someone. He said, hey, where are you from? And I looked and my summer sister, you know, she's like, oh, man, she cracked a smile. And I was like, um, I'm from America. He's like, no, no, but where are you really from? Like, what country? Where are you from? And at this point, every Everybody in the student group, oh, they are like secondhand embarrassment for me. Like they feel like they're looking at me very awkwardly. Like, I can't believe this man is calling her out when she was minding her business. They were like, uh, I was like, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, which is in America. I was born and raised there. And he's like, okay, yeah, but anyways, and then continue with the tour. And you know, I had other students talk to me then. It was like, girl, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like that was crazy and I was like you went out of your way to do that that wasn't even a situation in which it, it, I don't know you just went out of your way to put me on the spot but it was the typical scenario of no where are you really from mm -hmm. that a lot of black people experience especially when you travel or meet people from other places because the concept of someone being black and from America is just so foreign to them which is wild because I'm like, the country was built on the backs of black people. So if there is any thread of people in this country, it is black people, but overseas, that's what made me wonder like, so y'all don't get taught about this stuff because the fact that I'm here as a black American and it's hard for your mind to grasp that I'm actually from America that I had to reiterate it and tell you twice that I was from America because you didn't believe me when I said it the first time was like because I, why would I lie 
Like I just, it was very odd and it was a very weird interaction to navigate. And that's when I really was put into perspective on how they don't only see us in a different light around the world. They just don't see us at all in some places. Mm-hmm. Like we don't exist. Black Americans can be a foreign concept a lot of places. And maybe that's the whole, let me take a picture of them while they're here in my face and I can have this memorabilia because I don't know, we are exotic for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have, I, I experienced something very similar when I went to um, Vietnam and like the Southeast Asia in general. Oh, you're in um, Asia. I don't even want to talk about it, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole journey. I have a whole blog series about it, um, mm-hmm. but my group was diverse. And what I mean by that, it was like two white girls on the trip. There were a lot of Mexicans, a lot of uh, different types of Asians. There were only two black people on the trip and we were both mm-hmm. dark skinned black people. So off rip, we stick out because although we are a part of this group of color, um, they're fair. Most of them were very, very fair. Um, and so we were, again, in Vietnam, we're in this store and I was being followed and they're like, where are you all from? And we're like, everybody's like, United States, America, America. And she looked at me like, you too? You too? And I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. She asked me like four times and I'm like, yes. Like, let mm-hmm. out my face. Like, because I'm angry at this point because you're following me. And right. you're asking me where I'm from. And like, it's just a lot. And I have the whole picture taking situation. Um, and even on that trip, the people who I was with didn't understand because they didn't have the same experience as me. Like me and the other person, the other black person, we, at first he was enjoying the pictures. And I was like, I don't want no pictures. I know what this is about. You're not about to, I am not Sarah Bartman. You are not about to, no. Okay. I'm not Period. a pet in zoo. I'm not a human zoo. No. At first he was cool, but after a while it got so overwhelming when we went from country to country because we started off in Vietnam, then we went to Laos, then we went to Thailand and Cambodia. I think right around Thailand, he was like, all right, we've been on this trip for 14, like I think like 17 days. So he's like, all right, I'm over this. And somebody was like, why are you upset? Like, I don't understand why you're upset. I said, are they taking pictures of you? And so in that moment, I had to take the conscious decision. Like, am I going to be the angry black woman? Or am I going to ignore it? I'm like, oh, angry. Are they taking pictures of you? <laughs> I'm like, I was there because I wanted you to. You chose like, violence. You chose violence. I chose violence because I'm like, don't question why something is happening or why people are responding to something that's only happening to them. It's not happening to you. And you have mm-hmm. a group of support here. There were like chaperones who looked like them as well. It was only me, me and him. And he was a freshman. I'm in, I'm in grad school. So I was responsible for him. Anytime something happened, they're like, Aaliyah, can you talk to him? No, I am not a chaperone. Wow. And so, yeah, I, and it's interesting to see because I saw another Black person on a trip. Uh, we were in uh, Thailand and I'm like, what's your Facebook? <laughs> like, I was just so happy to see them. But we exchanged <laughs> information and he was like, yeah, I'm so happy to see you too. And I'm like, can I hug you? Like, I felt like so deprived of, I need black people. Oh my God. Yes. I'm I'm not gonna lie, like the missing your black people and culture is so real when you study abroad. Like when you go abroad for a certain amount of time, like we arrived in the middle of January and we left in the middle of May. 
Yes, it was cold. It was very cold when we arrived. It was snow and everything. It was very dark. But um, by by April, girl, all the black students, so every we were ready to go home. Like we were like, I was like, I don't even want to go to another place. The next plane ride I want to take is I want to go back home. I want to eat. I want to eat my food. I want to be around black people <laughs> unapologetically. Like don't get me wrong I've definitely appreciated the experience and I learned a lot and I like what you said about even with the people you travel with your experience with them wasn't the same right and that was the case within our program because like I said we were all from American universities but we had very different experiences as being young black women there than the other students because our program was predominantly white. For instance, I would I find that a lot of the black students, we didn't actually make a lot of connections or friends or build a lot of relationships with Danish people. And we were in Denmark for four months. And that's part of the Danish culture because I also met a white woman who was from actually Iceland and she lived in Denmark for about 20 years and she was like Girl, I've been here for 20 years and I haven't met any Danish friends because the Danes are very, they're very close in society and it's kind of hard to pierce your way into their, their closeness. So that's just kind of how they are as people. But regardless, a lot of the white students stayed in Denmark. They enjoyed the country Denmark a lot more than the black students did. We didn't enjoy Denmark as much as they did. Um, they definitely hung out with uh, a lot more Danish people and went to um, Danish social places and events. And they made these lifelong connections, you know, that they say that you make when you study abroad. You make all these connections with people that are supposed to last a lifetime. And I lived in Denmark for four months and I still don't know any Danish people. So it's like outside of my homestay family, I cannot, I don't have any current relationships with anyone from Denmark. Like I didn't actually immerse myself in their culture and build relationships and have experiences with them. I I didn't, but I did observe that a lot of our white counterparts did. They were, you know, they were in those clubs and they were hanging out. They hung out with other Danish students that were our that went to the University of Copenhagen and they did a lot more other things than we did. Um, So I think that was very important when you said that about how you can even travel with a group of people who may, y'all may be diverse or different, but maybe from the same place and they will have a totally different travel experience than you will, like completely different. I mean, because like you said, when we went places, the trip that we took to Italy and Paris, we had a we had two white girls with us from our program and it was me and my spelling sister and another black girl who was from a different university. It was five of us. But like you said, they weren't getting pictures taken of them. No one took pictures of them. No one stopped them and um, wanted to ask, ask them anything about their hair or just stared at them. They just didn't have, you know, no one singled you out and asked you where you were from. Like it was, you don't have any of those type of experiences. And I think that's important, important to know is that even if you have similarities or are from the same place, you can have a totally different 
travel experience than someone else just based on you being a black person abroad like um but we definitely did things to celebrate our blackness like as we got ready to go home Mm -hmm. um we made sure and by we I mean me and my sisters so we decided to have dinners at everyone's homestay and they were the homestay families were very open to it too because they like the opportunity to also you know, have some food or anything from our culture for us to present that and for us, everybody to be involved in it. So every few weeks, we had a different dinner at someone's homestay house. And I love the pictures from those. So we first did it at my homestay house and we cooked dinner. My host dad, he was okay with it. You know, he was, he was like, okay, you're going to cook dinner tonight. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to make dinner. We're making fried chicken Wednesday. Okay. You know, it was fried chicken Wednesday. I had, we made fried chicken. I made macaroni and cheese. And I think we had a greens like broccoli or something because they didn't have greens there. So we had broccoli. Okay, and girl, I bought my big bottle of hot sauce with me as I am that person because I will not be, okay, like without that hot sauce. And I was like, I know they don't have this in Denmark. I'm bringing it with me. So I bought a big bottle of Frank's red hot hot sauce with me to Denmark. And they were so happy. Oh my God, Spelman's was like, Girl, you got hot sauce. <laughs> they were so happy. My husband had never had hot sauce today. He's like, any of these things. So that was so fun. So we did find little ways to make our, ourselves more comfortable and also expose them to our Black culture as well. And that was really fun. We, we did that at, I want to say, maybe three of our homestay houses. We actually did follow through and do the dinner where we made like fried chicken and macaroni and cheese and everything. And and they ate it and they enjoyed it. But it was like we had to we had to do that, you yes, know, create that experience. Exactly. We had to create that space like a, a lot of our other um, classmates and students they didn't they didn't have to do that they were really like I just want to be involved in Danish food and uh, I guess because a lot of their eating habits were very similar because even my white roommate who was in my program she had never had this stuff either you know like she was like oh my god like this is so good and I remember having a whole dialogue about what was typical at her Thanksgiving table, and we all talked about what was at our Thanksgiving oh, table. Goodness, <laughs> and it was so totally different. I'm like, I mean, we know that sometimes white people and black people's food are not on the same page, but I'm like, girl, you have that at Thanksgiving? Is it even Thanksgiving? Like, what? what are you eating? <laughs> we. we we were like, girl, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, no, we don't have macaroni and cheese. I said, oh, don't let a black person ever hear you say you don't have macaroni and cheese at a Thanksgiving. That is like, that's like a summer food. A whole food? I said, girl. A summer food. She said they only have macaroni and <laughs> at their cookouts. And I said, girl, nah. Like, yeah, that was us. We, we were cracking up because we were like, uh, the mac and cheese is more important than the turkey. Like, what you talking mm-hmm. about? You don't have no mac and cheese. But so it was that was kind of fun. And I, I do like that they were open to, you know, us 
showing them sides of our culture and things like that. But yes, it was very intentional. We had to go out of our way to make that space in order to make ourselves comfortable. You know, it was like we, we had to create a space, which is typically what we have to do no matter where we are, whether we're abroad or here. As we can see, Black people, we have to create our own safe spaces, regardless of where we are. So it was interesting to see that, yes, whether I'm at home or across the world, I still have to do that. I still have to make my own space for me to feel comfortable or shine as a Black person. And I'm not going to lie, like, it's exhausting having to constantly educate someone you know, like on something. And uh, I don't move with the assumption that everybody's just supposed to know everything about me because I was traveling and I don't know everything about you, you know, in your culture, but I have a basic understanding or am at least making an effort to versus everywhere I go, I have to educate you on the Black experience everywhere. Although Black people are everywhere And yet here I am still having to do this, you know, versus me even seeing you make an effort that you have any knowledge or are trying to learn more about the Black experience. It can get very exhausting as a Black person to constantly have to teach people about your experience or just always explain why you should be somewhere and why you should be appreciated and why just why you should be respected on a basic human level is very exhausting. And you you still have to do it everywhere you go. And that's what became very clear studying abroad. Mm-mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I didn't know half of that. You were with Lay- Layla was there too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, me and Layla, me and Layla were, were buddies everywhere. And she had the same similar experience as me, you know, the picture taking and all of that. Like, you know, and I feel she she knew how to navigate relationships with white people a little bit more because um, she had a lot of exposure in those spaces, even in America. But it doesn't matter when you abroad, when they see you and they just see a black woman, it she still she stuck out like the rest of us too. You know, we went to Italy and they were oh my god let me take pictures miss america like look right because she did pageants so you know she had her sash on and oh man they thought she was like a celebrity like shout out to layla hey girl yeah (laughs) shout out to layla that's my sis that's miss maryland usa y'all you know coming to take the crown miss usa i'm gonna just put on for her real quick but Yes, no, Layla got me through that study abroad experience. It it did make me closer to my Spelman sisters. And I think studying abroad or just traveling abroad in general, it, it makes you appreciate your black okay. culture even more. Like it, it made you appreciate and, and I appreciate it, but no, when you really get plucked out of that environment into something else, you appreciate it so much more. Like like I said, we were so ready to go home. We were like I want to be twerking and I want, you know, mac and cheese and I I want somebody to do my hair right. Like, (laughs) it was just, we missed everything about Black culture and just being around Black people. But yes, you realize how special we are. You really do. And and you realize how we're the blueprint. Like, I observed that a lot studying abroad on how I'm just like, hmm. 
we're the the blueprint. Like you guys refuse to learn anything about black culture, but the music that you're listening to, because American music is very popular in other countries. And if, if they don't know anything about America, they listen to American music a lot and American entertainment. And I'm like, y'all don't know anything about black culture not even realizing that the music that you're listening to like is black culture is created you know what i'm saying by black artists is all of these things they don't even realize even abroad but but they don't see color so you know <laughs> i ain't gonna never let that one go <laughs> i'm not either because i mean we need to retire that line like Please. you cannot nobody exactly no, I want to thank you so much, Poppy, for coming on here. And I love what you talked about us being the blueprint, the standard. Like we are that. The standard, okay. The standard, you know, the, uh, in all caps. <laughs> and I'm happy that we were able to spend some time together and, and talk about those similar experiences because sometimes we don't get to talk about this. We um, may have had all these different experiences and we don't have that support system. Earlier, we talked about the importance of community and having that. Um, and so let's, I hope that this podcast is a safe space for you all. I know that Coffee talked about uh, um, creating our own safe spaces and that was part of the reason I wanted to create Monolithic, the podcast, is so that we can have a space to talk about the diversity within our experiences because there's no one way to be black. And so before we end it off, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Um, I just want to say that I appreciate you for thinking of me to come on here and speak. And I hope that something I said has resonated or connected with anyone. Um, or just sparked, you know, any type of new perspective in your mind, you know, for anyone, whether you oppose, whether you agree, whether you had a completely different experience from any of the things that I said, from my upbringing to traveling, just, I'm happy to share um, because people, they look for people to have the courage to speak out on these things and, and, and hit those points. And, because like, like you said, we don't have spaces like this to really talk about it and talk about it freely, you know, talk about it and not not feel away about who I'm going to offend or say anything because I'm simply speaking from my perspective and my experience as a Black woman, as identifying as a Black woman from America, from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. So, but no, I really appreciate you, Aaliyah. And I think this is so great. I'm so excited for your platform, for the podcast. Like these are the type of like mind picking conversations that we need to have. Like anything that gets the gears turning in anybody's mind, or you can really just even slightly change someone's perspective, even if it's not changing, but just opening opening their mind like starting a conversation it at least opens people's minds to understanding and learning that although we are all human we are all having totally different experiences simultaneously like they are very different but there should still be respect and appreciation and all of it and I totally support this entire podcast. I had fun doing this. Um, I really enjoyed the topic and I look forward to 
hearing the rest of your episodes because I mean I, I know they're gonna hit those those pain points and we need to talk about it so I'm very excited and thank you for having me and right. I will come back, back anytime, anytime. <laughs> yeah, we were on the same page no you're welcome back, back anytime. anytime you know just just let me know like because I'm interested but at I'm so excited because I'm I'm interested to even hear other people's perspectives. Like I, I want to get out of my my own head too. Like I, I want to know what else. So, thank you for having me, and thank you for being a courageous black creator out here. Come on, like, thank you, thank you. We, we need more. We do. We need more. And you using your platform. For a good reason, um, you know, and for awareness, which is always the first step in any type of change or transformation is awareness. So thank you, Aaliyah. Thank you again for being here. Um, I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. Like, sincerely, thank you. Okay, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I've been smiling the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at monolithic underscore the podcast. Please join the conversation. Let us know what you thought about it. Stay tuned for future episodes. Peace and gratitude. Bye, everybody. (music) 